Hey everyone, welcome to the Southside Church Podcast from Chilliwack, British Columbia, Canada. We're praying that hope would rise in your life as you listen to this message today. The first captain of the first basketball team I ever coached was Phil Vincent. Great kid. That wouldn't have been an easy team to be the captain of, by the way. When I started coaching, we were really, really bad. And we got better really, really quickly, mostly because of an insane workload. I remember that first off-season, we practiced every morning at 6 a.m. for months and months and months in a row. Phil never complained. In fact, when other players on the team would complain or even suggest they might quit because the workload was too heavy, it was Phil that would sit them down. He would say, look, I know this journey is hard. I know it's difficult, but it's so worth it. It's going to have a great finish. I don't want you to miss it. And almost always, Phil would convince them to stick around. Phil was charming. He would walk into my classroom some days. I was really intense back then, and not too many people could get me to lighten up, but Phil could every once in a while. He would walk into my classroom this big Dutch kid, he would put his arm around me and he'd say, hey, Mr. Manis. I'd be, hey, Phil, what do you want? He's like, what do you mean, what do I want? Can't a guy just come and say hello to his favorite teacher? I mean, like, yeah, Phil, they can, absolutely. So what do you want? Well, since you asked, he said, I, I, I happen to notice that the gym is available after school tomorrow. So what we could do is we could actually move practice from before school at 6 a.m., to after school at 4 p.m., I think the guys would really enjoy sleeping in tomorrow, Phil said. I said, you think the guys would appreciate that, do you, Phil? He said, yeah, I think the guys would love that. I said, well, you tell the guys that we're going to move practice to 4 p.m. I could stand up here for hours and tell you stories about Phil. One that comes to mind is, happened on, late on a Saturday night. We were in a tournament in Vancouver, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday I don't remember exactly how we did, but we must have done pretty well because we were still playing on Saturday night. We drove into town late on Saturday night. I drove the boys to the school where their rides were waiting to take them home. Phil and Troy, however, did not have rides. So I let them into the school so they would be warm while they waited for their rides to come. I started driving home and I was thinking to myself, man, I'm going to enjoy a little bit of downtime tonight. It's been a long week, you know, up really early every morning, teaching all day, coaching all night. I could really use a little downtime. Let's go back to Phil and Troy for a second. So I had let Phil and Troy into the school, and I guess they didn't get enough basketball that week because they headed straight to the gym. And they noticed when they got there, oh, the brand new glass backboards, the company had come in and installed them. Now, you've got to understand something about the school. Small, private school, very tiny athletic budget. We could never afford glass backboards. We had these cheap plastic backboards, but the guys on the team wanted glass backboards. They were super, super, super expensive, but they fundraised for months, and we bought glass backboards. And so they got there, and the company had installed them. So Phil says to Troy, hey, Troy, we got to be the first ones ever to take shots on these new glass backboards. And Troy says... Good idea, Phil. Okay, so what was a gym to us was a church on Sunday morning. So they moved the chairs away from one of the hoops and they got some shots up. And then Phil looks at Troy after a while and says, hey, you know what, Troy? 
not only do we have to be the first to get shots up on these new glass backboards, we got to throw down some dunks on these things, okay? So they moved one chair kind of under the hoop. They started running up, springing off the chair, and just dunking the ball like crazy. Back to me. So I get home, and I sit down in my chair for about 15 seconds, and my phone rings. It's Troy. Troy says, hey, coach, something's happened. You need to come down to the school right away. Now, I love Troy and Phil, and I know Troy and Phil. So as soon as Troy says, something's happened, you need to come down to school, right away, I made great haste to make my way back to the school as fast as I possibly could. And when I got there, I saw what had happened. Phil had decided that not only did he want to throw down dunks on these new backboards, he wanted to throw down like the biggest monstrous dunks that had ever been thrown down. So he went up off the chair with two hands and just hammered the ball down and shattered the new glass backboard. So when I got there, there was glass like all over the place. Did I tell you there was church there the next morning? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Phil and Troy couldn't get into the janitor's closet, so they actually went into their backpacks. They got their basketball jerseys out, and they're trying to sweep up the glass with their jersey. And I get there, and I'm just like, I just wanted some downtime. I wanted to yell. I wanted to get mad. But Phil looks up at me with this sheepish grin, and we just laughed and laughed and laughed. You know, after Phil graduated, he stayed in touch. He would come see me all the time. He had this beautiful smile, this contagious joy, a booming laugh. If you ever met Phil, you know that laugh. But over the last few years, he's come to visit me less and less. And when he does show up, I see a lot less of that contagious joy, that beautiful smile, or that booming laugh. And then last November, in November of 2022, Phil died of a drug overdose. And I remember when I found out, I was here at the church, I got here before everybody early one morning, and I just sat in my office, and it just didn't make sense to me, you know? Like Phil, with a beautiful smile, with a booming laugh, the contagious joy, kind-hearted Phil, brilliant history student Phil, motivational Phil, Charming Phil, gone. It just didn't make sense, you know? And that morning, a few of the players from that first team started texting me, and we talked on the phone, and we texted. And as we did, there was a song that came into my mind. Now, if you didn't play on that basketball team, you have probably never heard this song. But it was like our road trip song. And I looked it up on YouTube back in November of 2022, and as I played it, I got this picture, this memory came to me of looking in the rearview mirror of the 15-passenger van and seeing Phil sit in the very back seat, his arms around two teammates, his eyes closed, singing this song at the top of his lungs. So before I go any further with the sermon, I just wanted to play that song. to say goodbye after only one life and brain will fall down replenishing all of our broken dreams 
this burning tree that's withering will bloom again. Would you believe? Goodbye, goodbye. Walk away, it's time to say goodbye. Goodbye, goodbye. Walk away, it's hard to say goodbye. said goodbye to Phil in November of 2022. Not forever, but for a while. And it's moments like that that we're reminded again that this world that we live in is dark and it's broken. It's a world of goodbyes said way too soon. I think about the last line of that song. It says, death takes many forms, and that's so true, you know? 
Sometimes it's losing somebody we love, but sometimes it's the death of a dream, the death of hope, the death of a relationship, the death of innocence. And we're just brought face to face again with the darkness and the brokenness of this world. It manifests itself in all kinds of different ways with all kinds of different people. For some people, it's anxiety or depression. For some people, it's addiction, compulsion, or obsession. For some, it's regret or shame. For others, it's bitterness, rage, jealousy, and insecurity. And what's funny, you know, is you can go through days, you can go through weeks, you can go through, you can even go through years and not be reminded that this world is dark and broken. But then something happens, like a November of 2022 thing happens. And if you're anything like me, when those moments come, I back away. I do not like them. I don't like being reminded that this world is dark and broken. I get it. I like to talk about joy. I like to talk about hope. I like to talk about light and healing. But what I want to suggest to you today, whether you're watching this online or whether you're here in person, is that I think we need to learn, in, lean, learn to lean into those moments just a little bit instead of back away so quickly. I think there's something pretty profound that happens in those November of 2022 moments. I do. Look, I think in those moments, we experience this profound longing. This profound longing for more. More than this world. This profound soul-level longing for a hope and a life that goes above and beyond this world. I would suggest further that that longing is so deep and so universal and so profound that it must, it must, by its very nature, must have a fulfillment. See, I'm really quick to back away from those moments, but I think we need to, we need to, we owe it to ourselves to lean in just a little bit. That longing is so deep, so profound, so universal that it points, it points to a fulfillment. I would suggest further that as we're one week away from Easter, that that fulfillment, that more that we're all looking for, but sometimes we don't know it until that moment comes, that more that we're longing for is Jesus. He's the fulfillment of that longing. And that's why I'm so pleased that as we continue our journey through the gospel of John, we've arrived today at John chapter 11. One of the most incredible stories in the entire Bible will serve as the centerpiece for not only today, but next week as we celebrate, as we celebrate Easter together. John 11 verse one. Now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. There's a war of words. There's a war of words being waged in our world. You've noticed it. Or at least you've seen parts of it, haven't you? Maybe you've noticed there's a war of words between the political left and the political right. Or there's a war of words between rappers from the East Coast and rappers from the West Coast, maybe. There's a war of words 
between players and fans from one team and players and fans from another. We, we see that, but what I want to suggest to you is that that war of words that's being waged in our world is way bigger than that, and it's way smaller. So first of all, let me talk to you about how it's bigger. You are not an accident. You're not a random collection of molecules. You're not a fluky result of time plus matter plus chance. You're not. You were created on purpose. You were created, in fact, by the God who created the entire universe. I want you to think about this just, just for a second. How did God create the universe? And God said, let there be light. And God said, let there be moon and stars and sun. And God said, let there be oceans and land. And God said, let there be birds and fish. And God said, let there be vegetation and animals. And God said, let's create people. And he created us, male and female, he created us. In his image, he created us. In other words, you were, just like everybody else in the world, you were created in the image of a God who spoke the universe into existence. Do we really understand what that means? That we got people all over this world walking around with absolute, catastrophic, immense, mind-boggling power. That everyone you will ever meet is walking around with thermonuclear capabilities below their nose and above their chin. And we're all talking. It's a war of words. At best, there are many who use their words carelessly. At worst, there are those who use their words maliciously. And from the time that you can remember, words have been spoken to you. One of the manifestations of this dark and broken world is there's something about you and there's something about me. If somebody speaks a word of encouragement to you, a word of hope, a word of life. There's a Teflon nature to it. Have you noticed that? It just kind of bounces off. So, so again, I want you to think about this. That everyone you meet was created in the image of a God who spoke the universe into existence. So our words have incredible creative power. Our words can create peace or they can create chaos. Our words can create light or they can create darkness. Our words can create hope or they can create despair. Our words can build up or they can tear down. Our words can construct or they can destroy. One of the manifestations of the darkness and the brokenness of this world is that when somebody has spoken, from the time that you can remember, people have been speaking to you. And when they speak words of life, there's something about you, there's something about me, we're almost like Teflon in moments like that. But boy, I'll tell you what, not the words that tear down. Remember when you were in high school, maybe you broke your arm, or someone you know did, and everybody came along with a Sharpie, and what they do? They sign something on your cast, right? That's this life. Your whole life, people have been labeling you, parents, Teachers, coaches, friends, bosses, siblings. From the time that you can remember, people have been speaking words over you. Sometimes 
sometimes words that build up, but sometimes words that tear down. They've been labeling you. See, now the picture goes from this war of words, goes from big picture to small picture. Because here's what's happened. They're labeling you, right? They're labeling you, all these words. You're fat, you're stupid. You're scrawny. You're ugly, you're dumb. You're a mistake. You're an embarrassment. You're a lost cause. You're a loser. You're a failure. You will never amount to anything. You're unworthy. You're unlovable. You are shameful. You're dirty. You're gross. You're a sinner. You're disgusting. And, and, and you go through life, and everyone, almost everyone you meet, they leave a mark. They leave a label. But as long as it's on the outside, you think to yourself, well, I, I can wash it off, right? So you, you look yourself in the mirror, and you go, you got this. This is your day. You're going to be amazing, But then something happens. As you grow a little bit older, slowly but surely, you begin to internalize those labels. You want to know why I know you've done that? Because I want you to think, who's going to say in the next 24 hours, who is the person in your life that is going to spoke, speak the most damaging words to you? Who is that person? I'll help you, it's you. Almost certainly that person is you. So now you understand what's happened, right? Now those labels have gone from surface and now they're tattooed to your soul. I got a couple tattoos. I got one on my right wrist, it's a sunshine. I love it, I love it, I love it. I love to look at it. Um, it reminds me of a time, I don't have time to get into the story, I'll tell it to you one day, it's an incredible story, but every time I look at it, I remember that God can do anything far more than you could imagine or guess or request in your wildest dreams, I love it. I have a second tattoo, it's on my left ankle, you will never see it, I do not like it. <laughs> when I was a kid and I got it, I thought it was cool, it's not cool, it's not even kinda cool. That's why I wear sweatpants to the gym to this day, okay? But, but, but here's the thing that you notice about tattoos, they don't wash off. So, so now there's this war of words raging not only in the world, but in my life, in your life. And so now we start to walk around with, 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 with these labels, with these lies, with these lies, with these lies tattooed to our soul. And it's not only being spoken from out there. Now it's me speaking to me. And, and if we go back one chapter to John chapter 10, Jesus said, you have an enemy the devil, and he comes only to steal and kill and destroy. So that labeling of your soul, oh, he loves that. That's what he's all about. He only comes to steal and kill and destroy, so he gets in on the act too. One of the ways that you might be able to tell that the enemy has been speaking to you, looking to label your soul, is you'll be having conversations with yourself, but you'll notice something. You're speaking to yourself in the second person. You ever done that? That's the enemy whispering in your ear. You're a failure. You can never do anything right. You're stupid. You're embarrassing. You're never gonna have a good marriage. You're never gonna be a good parent. You're never gonna shake this off. You're never gonna make up for those things that you did. So now it's coming from out here. 
You're speaking to yourself, and he's whispering it in your ear. It's tattooed all over your soul. See, the power of those labels that have been tattooed onto your soul aren't that they're true because they're not. It's because you live, over time, you live as if they were true. Let, let me give you a fairly innocuous example. Okay? Let's say somewhere along the line, you have come to believe this. I will only be worthwhile, I will only be valuable if I achieve, if I succeed. What will your life look like? Oh, from the outside, you might have a lot of people looking at you going, that's the stuff. That's the stuff. Way to go. Killing it. Hashtag blessed. What a life you live, right? The problem is, by the very nature of that label you've taken on, enough will never be enough. You're on a hamster wheel because what is success? What is success? It's the next one, the next one, the next one, the next one, the next one. And enough will never be enough and you will drive yourself. Now imagine, now imagine this. From the time you've been little, from the time you're old enough to remember to understand people have been speaking words over you. You've been speaking words over you. The enemy has been whispering words to you. Now imagine if some of the words tattooed on your soul are like this. You're stupid. You're unlovable. No one will ever love you. You're shameful. How would that affect? What if you go through your day every day living as if that was true? Something really interesting in this passage Lazarus is sick, like really sick, okay? So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, Lazarus is sick. No, they don't say that. It's weird, they don't use his name. They say, Lord, the one you love is sick. The one you love is sick. And every time I read that, I think to myself, that's why Jesus came. To give you a new label. See, I, who are you? You're the one he loves. What defines you? You're the one he loves. What validates you? You're the one he loves. What makes you worthy? You're the one he loves. Because I can stand up here all day and I can tell you verse after verse. I can tell you verse about your purpose. You're God's masterpiece created in Christ Jesus to do good works which he prepared in advance for you to do. I can tell you verses about his power. His grace is sufficient for you because his power is made perfect in weakness. I could tell you verses about his provision. My God will meet all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. I, I could tell you verses about possibility. You can do all things through Christ who gives you strength. I could tell you verses about hope. I know the plans the Lord has for you. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. But if you don't know he loves you, they don't mean anything. Like I could stand up here and talk about Easter. I could prove to you that Jesus lived. I could prove to you that Jesus died. I could prove to you that Jesus rose again. 
I could further prove to you that in those November of 2022 moments, when you're brought face to face with the darkness and the brokenness of this world, we've all been there, right? That, 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 that profound soul-level longing that you have for more, for hope, for life, that it, by its very nature and universality, has its fulfillment in Jesus. I could prove all that to you. But unless you knew that Jesus did it all for you, it's relatively meaningless. The Bible says that when Jesus died on the cross, his blood washes you clean. Do you understand? That's what he wants to do for you today. That's what he wants to do for you today. All those labels, all those lies tattooed all over your soul, he wants to wash them clean and replace it with just one label. You are loved. That's what defines you. And I know there's a temptation for people like me who have lived anything but a pristine, well-behaved life. There's a temptation to, at this moment, start to qualify it. Well, he might love her, and he might love him, but he can't love me. That's wrong. So let me explain it to you quickly. One of the major messages of Easter is this. Listen, this is so important. Jesus doesn't love you based on your credentials. Jesus loves you based on his capacity, which is infinite. You can't outsin the love of God. You say, I tried. I know you did. You can't do it. You can't outsin the love of God. You can't. In other words, Jesus loves you not because you're innately lovable, but because of his infinite love. Who are you? Oh, you're loved. Now imagine walking through your day knowing that. Walking through your day knowing that you're fully, completely loved, fully, completely accepted, fully, completely validated. That would change everything. Hey, Lord, the one you love is sick. When he heard this, Jesus says, this sickness will not end in death. No, it's for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. And then he said to his disciples, let's go back to Judea. Kind of weird, right? Like Jesus really loved Lazarus. He's sick. He's really sick. Really sick. He loves Mary and Martha. And because he loves them so much, he hangs out for two more days. That seems weird. Now, for some of you, it doesn't. Okay, because maybe you grew up going to Sunday school. And you know that this story, spoiler alert, has a happy ending, okay? So if I had a time machine, I could send you back and you could tell Mary and Martha, it's all good, it's all good. It feels like everything's coming apart, but it's all gonna come together. It, it feels like everything's darkness, but really the light's gonna show up. But we don't have a time machine, so there's Mary and Martha, and they're seeing the worst of the darkness and the brokenness of this broken world, and it hurts, and it's hard. I say that to you, whether you're watching online or here in person, because you've been there. Many of you are there right now. And on some level, there's this feeling of, Jesus, where are you? Where, where, where are you? I need your help. Everything's dark. Everything's broken. And I don't have a time machine, but I do have faith. I don't have a time machine, but I do have faith to tell you this. 
I know it feels like everything's coming apart, but one day it's all gonna come together. I know that right now it feels wrong, but I can say unequivocally and totally, it's gonna be all right. Now, I'm not promising that your life is gonna be comfortable, probably not. I'm not promising you that your life is going to be easy, most definitely not. I'm not even promising you that your life is gonna be safe, but I am saying this, you are so loved. The God who said, let there be light, and there was light, loves you, has a plan for you, today, tomorrow, and forever. It's gonna to come together. So Jesus eventually says to his disciples, let's head back. Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I'm going there to wake him up. His disciples replied, Lord, if he sleeps, he will get better. Jesus had been speaking of his death, but his disciples thought he meant natural sleep. So he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And for your sake, I am glad I was not there, so that you may believe, but let's go to him. So in November of 2022, we said goodbye to Phil. Not forever, but for a while. I was asked to preach at the memorial service. I didn't want to. When moments like that come, I want to back away. I do. But I kind of felt I needed to lean in. I wanted to. I wanted to lean in. And so I said, yeah, and, and, and the date of the memorial, I, I was not able to be there, so I recorded a message in this room. And a, a few staff members came in here with me to kind of support me as I was recording the message. And I just remember when it was over, we sat down and we started talking about Phil and talking about life. And, and Leah looked at us and she said, you know what, Mike, as you were preaching, I feel like God gave me a phrase. I feel like God said, into the darkness we go. Into the darkness we go. Now, if, if I was gonna get a third tattoo, that would be it. I, I want that to be the story of my life. Into the darkness we go. This world's hard. This world's painful. This world's dark and broken. And I just want to be a person. I want to be a part of a church that says, hey, we're not, we're not going to step back from challenge. We're not going to step back from darkness. We're, going to not, we're not going to step back from adversity. We're going to lean in into the darkness we go. I want that to be the story of my life. I want to follow in the footsteps of Jesus. Because that's the story of Jesus' life. You want to understand Jesus? That's it. Into the darkness he went. Like I think about this all the time. Can, can you imagine him and his disciples walking into that little town called Bethany to the tomb of a dead friend, to the mourning and the heartbreak and the suffering of Mary and Martha. Into the darkness he went to a town in heartbreak. Into the darkness he went. That's the story of Jesus. That he left his throne in heaven and he stepped into human history 
all the darkness, all the brokenness, because he knew that if it was up to us to take hold of the light, it was, if it was up to us to take hold of healing instead of brokenness, we can never do it. So instead of leaving us to strive for heaven on our own, he brought heaven to us. Into the darkness he went. See, just days after this story, in John chapter 11 happened, Jesus walked into Jerusalem, into the darkest situation in all of human history. He went there gladly, into the darkness he went. He was whipped and he was beaten and he was mocked and he was spit on. And he was nailed to a Roman cross where he suffered and died. Why? For you. Did I mention this yet? He loves you. Who are you? (laughs) Who are you? You are so, so, so loved. Into the darkness he went. All the way to a hill called Calvary for you. So I just want to close now with a moment of reflection. Before I do, I want to ask you a big favor. I know there's a lot of people in the parking lot and you might want to get out early and get your head started in the traffic, but if you don't mind, I got two things that I want to talk about. If you don't mind, could you just stick around to the end? That'd be great. So heads bowed and eyes closed, please. So I wonder if you're here today and you've been experiencing a November of 2022 moment. Maybe a series of them. And you just feel broken and hurting and lost. I know that Jesus wants to deliver you because he loves you. I know Jesus can deliver you. Maybe you've been walking through life and you just feel like all these labels, all these lies have been tattooed all over your soul. The reason why Jesus stepped into human history, the reason why he died, the Bible again says, when he bled on the cross, his blood washes you clean. That's why he did it. Every single stain washed away. Who are you? You're the one he loves. How much? He died for you. Wants to set you free, make you clean, give you a fresh start, a new beginning. Life, life, today, tomorrow, and forever. You don't achieve it. You don't strive for it. Everything that needed to be done has already been done. So with all heads bowed and all eyes closed, if today is the day you want to accept what Jesus did for you through his death and his resurrection, can you just raise your hand nice and high because I want to pray for you right now. Amazing. If you're watching online and if it's safe to do so, man, I would love if you could raise your hand also. There's something powerful making that outward expression of the inward commitment. If your hand is up, you can put it down now and I'm going to pray out loud and I just invite you to pray silently along with me. So Jesus, thank you. Thank you for your love. Thank you that you died for me. I accept you as my savior today. I pray for a fresh start, a new beginning. I pray that you would wash me completely and totally clean. Thank you that I am loved. I pray that I would live like it. And thank you, Jesus, that not only did you die, but you rose again. So I pray that you would give me strength to live as one loved, to live as one approved, to live as one accepted, today, tomorrow, and forever. I thank you in your name. Amen. Amen. Let's celebrate.
That's so cute. Hey, so on the Sunday, on the Sunday after I found out about Phil, I was here and the band was doing their amazing, usual, incredible job. And, and Phil's uncle walked up to me. And he said to me, did you hear the good news? And I was like, uh... He said, yeah, Phil's finally free. Throughout the sermon, you probably heard me say this, that we said goodbye to Phil in November of 2022, right? Not forever, though. For a while. See, here's the thing. Phil loves Jesus. And Jesus loves Phil. And even as I say that, I realize that there might be some here in person or watching online, and you might be thinking to yourself, well, wait a minute. Like, Phil loves Jesus, and Jesus loves Phil, but then he died of an overdose. That's not possible. Oh, sure it is. Here's how Jesus explained it when he was talking to his disciples one day. He said, your spirit is willing, but your flesh is weak. See, Jesus has a plan for all of us. And that plan isn't just life after death. That plan is life before death. And he gives us next steps to take. And sometimes, sometimes we take them. And sometimes we don't. So Phil is finally free. I'm stoked because I'm going to see him again. I might cuff him. After I hug him. But it got me thinking, you know, so it's Easter next week. Some interesting about Easter because it's, it's a time of year that people who normally would never accept an invitation to church, they'll come. And I was, as I was thinking about Phil, I thought, if Phil was here with me right now, I know what he would want me to tell you is this. The people that God has placed in your life, I don't know how many more Easter's they have. I don't. Into the darkness we go. There's people in your life who are struggling all sorts of ways. They might seem like they got it all together on the outside, but their soul is tattooed and they need to be set free. Into the darkness we go. I don't know how many more Easter's they have. I don't know how many more Easter's you have. I most certainly do not know how many more Easter's I have. And when I look back at my time with Phil, I wasn't a perfect teacher, I wasn't a perfect coach, but I'm so grateful I love them. I'm so grateful that every chance I got, more importantly, I told him that Jesus loves him. So we got these little cards, and it just says, I'm praying for and inviting. To, and I, I hope you all got one on your way in. I'm taking mine, I'm gonna pray, and I'm gonna invite this year, and I ask you to do the same. I ask you to do the same. Because here's what I know. <laughs> you want to see the world change? You want to see the world change? If the people in this city could just get this, have all of those tattoos washed away, replaced with this new label that says loved, <laughs> everything changes. Everything changes. So I'm praying for you. I'm praying for us. I love you a lot, and we'll see you next week. Thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past episodes. And to stay up to date with all things Southside, follow at Southside underscore church on Instagram. We love you guys. The best is yet to come.